0: most remarkable changes that we've all experienced in the 15 years since 9/11 has been the rise of social media on the internet you can connect yourself potentially with any of 2 billion facebook users that's one in 4 of the world's population and that's true for you it's true for me and it's true for the people who want to do us harm so the question is if we were to look in the right way under that sea of interconnectedness, might we detect another 9-11 brewing or something worse? And might it be possible that we could write something as precise as an equation to predict and even prevent? Well, that sounds unlikely, but it's exactly what we found when we looked at this problem through the lens of complex systems here in the University of Miami under the initiative started by Dean Bacchus. Now, complex systems is the study of collections of objects. So, think of traffic. You'll never understand a traffic jam by taking apart a car into all of its pieces. Traffic jams come from what groups of cars do together. But to explain how that connects to terrorism, I need you to come on a journey with me back to one year before 9-11, when we were studying, not collections of cars, collections of combatants. But to understand this further, we need to borrow something from the insurance industry, which thinks about distributions in order to classify extreme events like hurricanes. Since we were taking a systems-level view, we realized that we needed to look at other conflicts, conflicts that people called insurgencies, terrorism, terrorist campaigns. So from 2000 onwards, for the next 13 years, we collected together data. Now, of course, in that time, 9-11 happened. Other wars came and went. We had to include all of those in the data. And all of that big data gave us a big surprise. Because then, when we looked, the same exercise of taking the sizes of those bubbles and looking at the distribution, not only were they all power laws, which means good goodness of fit. That's on the horizontal. They also had slopes. Scattered around 2.5. Not 0.1 or 586, but pretty close to 2.5. Now, that was in 2013. And of course, along comes ISIS in 2014. Lots of attacks. We take the data from the attacks, the number of people killed. We plot it out. And it sits exactly on the 2.5. If we were thinking about skiing and mountains, mountains all with the same slope. You want your money back. You go on a ski trip, it's boring. Every ski, every ski resort has the same slopes. No black, they're just all the same slopes. But that predictability helps us with terrorism because that tells us the likelihood of an event in the future of a certain size. And for 2.5, which is the number we found, it tells us for, the, for every 300 events of one size, every 300 attacks, killing. Um, um, of a certain size, for a certain amount of damage, there's one that's 10 times bigger. And then every 300 of those, there's one that's 10 times bigger. And you scale up, and you reach a 9/11. So what's going on? Well, we know from something like traffic that traffic jams look the same in Miami, London, Tokyo, and it's because it's the, it's the way people group together in their cars. So maybe that holds the key to understanding why we're getting this kind of universal picture of terrorism and conflicts across the world. Now, all of these terrorist organizations, they're in the past. It's history, except for ISIS, and we're certainly not going to embed ourselves in there. So we had no way of finding out how terrorist organizations actually organize themselves, except we had the Internet. And it turns out, as many of us know, ISIS used the Internet a lot. Now, on Facebook, it turns out that Facebook moderators shut down any discussion that's pro-ISIS, extremist pro-ISIS, immediately. But there are other social media sites, such as VKontakte, which also has 350 million people across the world, which are just slower to do that. And that was our window into seeing their world. And what we found was that instead of there being One individual, one key individual, that leads the support online. They're groups. Now, many of you might be a member of a group on Facebook, Kids Karate Club, Swim team, Jazz Lovers. So let's take the jazz. People who like jazz, turn to the internet, find each other. They may not know each other, could be geographically separate. They just find each other, they start exchanging video clips, audio clips, they plan events. It's exactly what the pro-ISIS supporters do. But we're not talking about here people that kind of just had a bad day. We're talking about operational details that really are meaningful for ISIS operations around the world. On the top left, this is just one screenshot of what was happening on the online world as in the offline world, ISIS were approaching a radio tower in Kabani. Now, Kabani is significant because it was a complete surprise attack by ISIS on a city that was really close to the Turkish border. And on the bottom right, we have a screenshot of recruitment. And this isn't just people talking about, oh, go join ISIS. They're actually planning out routes across Europe. But because they have to attract recruits, They have to leave themselves as slightly visible online, and that was what enabled us to see them. And we found 200 groups involving 100,000 people during one year. But the most remarkable thing is that these groups aren't just some static set of individuals. There's a new ecology, a completely new ecology, that they follow online. And I want to explain that to you. And what's happening is, People online are gradually coordinating together. They're not together geographically, but they coordinate together, and then they join another group, and then another group joins them, and individuals may join them. And what happens is the group grows over time, and then it fragments easily when a moderator goes in and shuts them down. And because of that fragmentation, these users scatter across the Internet, and they join other groups. And so you get this ecology, this... this. This mass of groups online. Now, if I just take that idea of the Lego of pieces joining together and then fragmenting, what we get is the middle graph at the top, which is the computer simulation, which almost exactly matches what you see in the data. And it mirrors the man of seven foot, seven hundred, seven thousand. But we can go further because we can take that simulation and turn it into an equation and then solve that equation with a sheet of paper, well, about six sheets of paper and a pen, sit down, solve the equation, and you get a power law. And a power law with a very specific slope, 2.5. Now, what that tells us is that if we just assume that these groups that are online occasionally do things offline, then we've got an explanation for why ISIS produces attacks with a power law distribution of size 2.5. But it doesn't stop there because we also saw that other conflicts and other terrorist campaigns also have that same slope. They have that same 2.5. So we're getting a glimpse of probably how people, for all forms of terrorism and conflict, form together into groups. Over time, they coordinate and then break up. Of course, before the internet, they had to do this locally, so word of mouth, and that's why conflicts were local. But now with the internet, it can be done globally. But it doesn't stop there, because it turns out that ISIS has been served by the internet in in two other ways. These groups online, like any Facebook group, can become secret, public or secret, just a click of a button. And so they turn themselves invisible online to stop being shut down. And then they go one step further, they actually change their identity, now each group, has a number. When you create a Facebook group, it has a number, like a, like a DNA. And so what they do is they shut themselves down, they change their ID, it's like changing their DNA, and then they reform around that, changed identity. But how does that help us predict? Well, we all know if we see a liquid, like water, and bubbles start appearing, And there are more and more. We know it's on the point of boiling. Well, That's exactly the key that we found for what's going on ahead of real-world attacks by looking at what's going on online in terms of the groups appearing. The birth rate, the rate of creation of the groups proliferated, it escalated. In fact, it diverged in a particular mathematical way exactly the same as boiling water. And it precedes, in this case I'm showing you here, that set of a surprise attacks on Kobani in 2014. And this Lego idea, this Lego mechanism, also gives us a key of how to disrupt. Because as we all know, if someone's sitting, trying to make a model, the Eiffel Tower, they're gonna to make it in blocks. And if you keep going in, and don't do this, it's not fair, but you keep going in and breaking those blocks, they'll never build that final model. So that's one way of disrupting. But perhaps the most significant implication of what we found in terms of these online groups is that there's no such thing as a lone wolf. And we know this. If there's a piece of Lego sitting around on its own, it it hasn't been alone for long. It was part of a model. It got broken up. It just happens to be alone. Then it will join another group. So often we see snapshots of a lone wolf. They weren't alone. So by working out their history, which groups they've been in, we can get a little bit of insight into what might be in their mind and what they might be planning. So this complex system's lens has given us a unified way of looking at terrorism and conflicts, and also the possibility of predicting when real-world events might occur. Like, you predict a hurricane, but unlike the hurricane, there's also the chance that we can go in and prevent it from ever hitting. Thank you.